Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There were two more murders 15 miles well, away. Arrived, the they found the telephone and electricity line. Described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Murder. If you've been into true crime for a while, you know that the movie Natural Born Killers has inspired many a spree killer. But who inspired the movie? On June 25th, 1959, one half of a killer duo was put to death in the electric chair. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Charles Starkweather was born on November 24th, 1938 in Lincoln, Nebraska to a working class family. While his home life was a good one, Charles was bullied relentlessly in school. He was born with genus verum, a birth defect that caused his legs to be misshapen and suffered from a speech impediment. As he grew older and stronger, he decided he wasn't going to be the target anymore and became the bully. He went from being one of the most well-behaved teenagers in the community to the most troubled. When Charles was 18, he was introduced to 13-year-old Carol Ann Fugate, a girl who he soon found himself in a relationship with despite the age difference. He dropped out of school his senior year and, in an effort to be as close to Carol as he could, started a job at a warehouse located right by her school. The couple were inseparable, much to the dismay of her family. Charles tried to teach Carol how to drive and she crashed his vehicle, resulting in his father's anger and his eviction from the family home. Angry with his family, the kids that bullied him, and most of the world, Charles began living by the philosophy of, quote, dead people are all on the same level. And on November 30th, 1957, he got to live out that philosophy firsthand. Charles went to a service station to purchase a stuffed animal for Carol on credit. The attendant, Robert Colvert, refused and Charles left furious. He returned several times to purchase small items before finally gathering the anger and courage to pull out a gun and demand Robert hand over $100 from the till. He then drove the man to a remote area. They fought over the gun and Charles shot him in the head. A few months later, on January 21st, 1958, Charles went to the Fugate home to get Carol. When her mother and stepfather told him that they wanted him to stay away, he grew furious and shot them to death. After he killed both Velda and Marion Bartlett, he then took it one step further and strangled and stabbed their two-year-old daughter, Betty Jean, and hid all of the bodies behind the house. When Carol arrived back home, she saw that her boyfriend was there alone and armed with a gun. Now, it should be mentioned that from this point on, we have very different stories. According to Carol, Charles held a gun to her and said that her family was being held hostage and that if she didn't do exactly what he wanted, he would kill each and every one of them. Terrified for her family and not knowing that they were already dead, she agreed. This is her side of the story. Others claim that he was upfront with her about her family's fate and she willingly chose to do everything he wanted. Some even say that she was there when he murdered her family. Regardless of whose story is correct, 
Charles Starkweather and Carol Fugate fled and drove across Nebraska and into Wyoming, committing a series of murders. But not before living in the Fugate home for six days, turning away any suspicious visitors with false stories. Their bodies weren't found until January 27th. The lovers drove to the farmhouse of 70-year-old family friend August Meyer in Bennett, Nebraska. Charles shot the man in the head with a shotgun and killed his dog before fleeing. As they did so, they got their car stuck in the mud, forcing them to abandon the vehicle. That's when two local teenagers, Robert Jensen and Carol King, stopped to offer them a ride. Charles then forced them to drive to an abandoned storm cellar before shooting Robert in the back of the head. He then attempted to rape Carol King, but after failing, fatally shot her as well. There is also argument over whether Charles shot the girl or if Carol did. Next to enter the radar of the killer couple was C. Lauer and his wife, Clara. Charles and Carol entered their home in wealthy Lincoln, Nebraska and stabbed their maid, Lillian Fensel, to death while waiting for the couple to return home. To ensure they weren't alerted of their presence, Charles broke the neck of the family dog. Clara arrived home first and was stabbed to death, followed by Lauer, who was shot and killed. The couple then grabbed some valuables and fled in their stolen vehicle. The murder of this couple sent Lancaster County into a tailspin. Law enforcement began a house-to-house search for the killers and even contacted the Nebraska National Guard for assistance. With this diligent search came various reports of the stolen vehicle and Charles and Carol, but they remained in the wind. This, however, forced the pair to find a new vehicle, putting another person in harm's way. When they came upon a traveling salesman, Merck Collison, sleeping in his car on the side of the road in Douglas, Wyoming, they knew he was the perfect choice. He was awoken by the sound of a jammed shotgun, but was quickly shot, and Charles accused Carol of a coup de grace after the gun jammed. As they got into the car to drive away, they noticed something. This car had a parking brake, something totally new to Charles. He attempted to drive away, but the car continued to stall. He finally flagged down a passing motorist to help him release the brake, brandishing a gun, of course. But this man was having none of it. An altercation began, and by complete chance, a deputy sheriff arrived at the scene after driving by and noticing the fight. As he approached, Carol Fugate ran to the officer and yelled, It's Starkweather. He's going to kill me. Charles drove off trying to evade the police, but after a bullet shattered his windshield and cut his face, the 19-year-old boy surrendered to the police. Both he and his 14-year-old accomplice were arrested. He tried to spare Carol the blame and claimed he had kidnapped the girl and forced her to become his partner in crime. However, his story constantly changed and he claimed she was a more than willing participant. In fact, she had committed some of the murders, not him. Carol maintained that she was a hostage and was only acting to keep her family safe. A fact many had a hard time believing, seeing as she had a number of opportunities to escape. Charles Starkweather was convicted for the murder of Robert Jensen and sentenced to death for the crime. He was put in the electric chair on June 25, 1959. Carol Fugate became the youngest female in the United States history to be tried for first-degree murder and on November 21, 1958, was charged as an accomplice and given a life sentence. 
However, in 1976, her sentence was reduced after the Supreme Court ruling on the sentencing of minors, and after being considered a model prisoner, was paroled that same year after serving just 17 years. As of now, Carol Fugate is asking for a full pardon for the murders. She maintains her innocence and says that her record continues to put a black spot on her life. The crimes of Charles Starkweather and Carol Fugate have left a lasting impression on the world and has served as the inspiration for a number of movies and television shows. However, the most notable was the 1994 movie Natural Born Killers that so many real killers have cited as the inspiration for their crimes. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on June 26th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, Easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.